We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a Hollywood acceptance speech. I'm so surprised. I had no idea. I'm not even prepared. Um, okay. <clears throat> I'd like to thank the progressive discounts that got me here. Safe driver, multi-car, paid in full, multi-policy. This is just such a big moment. And did I mention that I'm surprised? With all kinds of discounts, progressive helps you save. Oh, 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 and I want to thank my agent and all my discounts agents because we all have the same agent. Don't start the music! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Road to Our Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Friday, September 25th, 2015, week three of the NFL season. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. You can find him on Twitter at NFLDraft underscore RW, which I can only assume is some kind of hat tip to RW McCorders. I mean that that was the reason long ago, but the inspiration nowadays is is definitely the bigger rwrotowire dot com. Really, uh, I would have thought it was something else. I, mean, I, I liked I liked RW McCorders better. 
He was good. He was a staple in my Madden fantasy franchise drafts, both because of Nickelback and like ninety nine kick and punt return. So he's he's got a special place in my heart. But the the, the Bears jersey that I bought in ninety nine has long since faded. It's gone. It, it I washed it too many times. But it it does still exist. Uh, it's it's now a in a relatively anonymous dark blue cloth in a landfill. Well, what we need is uh, one of the listeners, if you have an old R.W. McCorder's jersey that's in decent shape that you do not wear anymore, please ship it to the Roto office. Just write Roto office on the envelope and write Madison, Wisconsin, and it will get here. The uh, U.S. Postal Service really does a great job with everything they do, so I'm confident that your unwanted R.W. McCorder's jersey could become... Mario's I, new favorite. I shirt. actually would wear it, so thank you in advance for whoever sends. And if you, multiple people can do this, I'll have more than one. If if you'll have me have them, we can send back other things from the office. I've got a copy of Doyle Brunson's Super System, a course in Power Poker. I could I could send that in exchange for a jersey. Uh, we're also looking for a, a Keenan McCardell Jags jersey. Nick Whalen wants one. I kind of want one too because I always liked Keenan McCardle. Those have to be a lot easier to find than the RWs. The RWs are more rare, uh, but we'll definitely find something to send back. Some some random item of of your choice, or maybe some RotoWire access or or something. I don't even know if I'm allowed to give away RotoWire access, but I think I just did. Probably. Just try it. Anyway, this podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, a bunch of other places. If you are listening on a a podcatcher of some kind where you can leave us a review would be really appreciate that uh, if you could take the time to do that kind of a, a tip jar for us if you will if you don't have an rw mccorders jersey to donate to this podcast that'd be a nice way to uh to kind of pay some respect uh moving on to the thursday night game which i don't want to spend a lot of time on because frankly i don't like the redskins so, i don't like the giants kirk cousins is awful it's all grim it's all just grim there's nothing good about this game I mean, odell odell did what odell is supposed to do seven for 79 and a score nine targets reuben randall had a fluky td which he was on everybody's bench anyway so that didn't help anybody uh the running game is a cluster with three different guys all sharing the role i mean it, rashad jennings continues to struggle at least one of them can block punts let's be fair <laughs> that's that's a bonus uh shane vereen didn't catch any passes so that was great so in a ppr late if you started him this week he caught zero balls on three targets rashad jennings caught three uh but combined 31 carries for 84 yards Andre Williams got the touchdown so good luck to anybody trying to use that backfield on a week-to-week basis yeah uh it's it's also cool that they give the touchdowns to the worst of the three runners just to kind of make him not feel so bad about himself hey but he was really good at Boston College he was I thought Andre Williams would be pretty good to be totally honest with you I'm very disappointed in him but again it's nice of the Giants to give him the feel-good touchdown for what is otherwise a failure of a season for sure as for failures uh, Washington 11 carries for 38 yards for Matt Jones. I believe he fumbled at the goal line or near the goal line, too, to really make things worse. Alfred Morris had six carries for 19 yards. He went Did not over, start. Did not start. Didn't start. Went over 100 yards in the opener and had a 4-1 to one carries advantage over Matt Jones in week one. I don't know what he did or said at practice or to Jay Gruden. You're just not a genius like Jay Gruden. You wouldn't understand. I, you know, Jay Gruden is a lot smarter than me. Chris Thompson, who I've never heard of before, had a couple carries for 29 yards, caught eight balls for 57 yards and a TD. It was targeted 11 times because, well, I mean, they threw oh, it 12 man. times to Pierre Garçon. That's as much he, as you want to throw to him. He would have been the millionaire maker uh, tilting point if, if he had been eligible. I'm so grateful that this dog crap franchise 
which I wish I could call it worse things, but I'm so glad they played Thursday night. Like, I'm glad they have no influence in the Millionaire Maker. Yeah, that that is a good thing, and it it was kind of it kind of seems so redundant at this point to even include adjectives like you know failure with the the Washington franchise. I, I wish we would just as as a as a monument to their to towering commitment to failure, just change their name to the failures. Everything about them is just so disappointing all the time. They're like Foul they're like a more, they're, they're like an offensive version of the Cleveland Browns. That's what oh, that's man. what they are. That is exactly what they are, except much, yeah, just so like so I, contemptible. I feel sympathy for Browns fans, and I, I feel like they're an organization that tries to do the right thing and doesn't know how, and part of that's Mike Pettin. And then with Washington, it's like from ownership down, just the the, the magnitudes of incompetence and just the skullduggery and just awful. Like the commitment to evil on Dan Snyder's part. Oh, man, it's it's gross to see them in any form, so at least... At least uh, the Giants, if we're the the good guys in this scenario, somehow came out and did the good side well. Some somehow the Giants are the good guys. Tom Coughlin's the hero or something today. Anyway, we got Kirk Cousins throwing it forty nine times, three hundred and sixteen yards, a robust six point four yards per attempt. He was picked off twice. He's not good. He just isn't. He's what? not a good player. Really? He just is not a good football. Oh player. yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Jamison Crowder was targeted six times. Never heard of him either. So that's Duke cool. Star, excellent punt returner. He'll change the tide. I think he's the kind of guy you want to target six times in a game. What a what a mess. We're, we're, we're done with this. Gross. Apparently, there's no quarterback controversy here. They've kept Robert Griffin for no known reason. He's just he's just sort of like captive on the roster. Scout team safety man. Yes, scout team safety indeed. Week three of the Millionaire Maker. We're going to get into that throughout the show. I want to talk some injuries here at first. A handful of early Friday afternoon revelations. Uh, we'll start with DeAndre Hopkins. He is back at practice, and he is working through the concussion protocol. It's great news here. Good chance he'll be able to go since he did practice, at least in some capacity, Friday. And it's a fantastic matchup in Week 3 against the Bucks. Oh, man. Uh Yeah, so Hopkins, are we worried about Mallet at all? I I don't think I'm worried just because he's such a target hog and he you know fights the ball in the air so well, which he'll have to. Uh, but do we worry about it being like seven 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 feet seven feet over? Does the 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 volume and the matchup offset any Mallet concerns? I think Hopkins dealt with the same quarterback issues a year ago, so he's sort of yeah. Quarterback I didn't mean proof. to imply like oh Jesus, wish Brian Hoyer were in there, um, <laughs> but. I, I, it's, I really want to see Tom Savage. Oh man, Tom Savage. Uh, but yeah, we're we're longing for the days of Fitzpatrick over here. Five catches for fifty three yards on the road against Carolina is not particularly bad for Hopkins. Um, he's faced two good pass defenses so far. Has a fourteen catches and two touchdowns out of it. So yeah, I'm inclined to think that he will succeed in that setting. Just because so many targets, he's really good. And uh, yeah, Buccaneers. Noel Sean Jeffrey this week, hamstring injury, taking him out again. Bears going into Seattle uh, at well below 100%. No Jay Cutler, of course, for the Bears either. And Eddie Royal is actually listed as questionable. So Marcus Wilson, I guess. Yeah, I I think I will be avoiding all of that. Even even my guy Martellus, it, it, 
Is sorry, is Jay Cutler in? No, oh, oh, he, he's out. out. So uh, yeah, no way am I doing anything related to the Bears this week except uh, starting the Seattle defense. Jonathan Stewart questionable, the knee injury limited Thursday and Friday, likely to be able to play. But of course, we'll have to wait for the official word prior to kick off there for that game against the Saints. Uh, the Falcons backfield, Devontae Freeman going to be leading the charge. Tevin Coleman officially ruled out with his rib injury. No Devin Hester if you're in a return yardage league, but most of you probably are not. Uh, Dwayne Allen has been ruled out for the Colts game against the Titans on Sunday. The Colts are saying they want to get it to their tight ends more often. Probably good news for Kobe Fleener, but I think he's been targeted one time through two games. Yeah, that team is badly mismanaged, as we've seen. It, I mean, signing Andre Johnson and putting aside a big role for him when you have Dante Moncrief, it's like, why would you commit to that? Like, you're, you're, you're demonstrating a very deliberate hostility to reason if you go in with that kind of mission of, you know, we've got to make room for Andre Johnson and Frank Gore. Like, what's going on with... I, I don't know what, what the, the hope is with that franchise exactly. It should be a bounce-back week for the passing game, though. I mean, Andrew Luck, I can't believe all the overreaction to... Uh, Obviously, the Eagles looked terrible last week, but more so the luck, uh, you know, backlash. Like the, and we're seeing on TV, like ESPN and stuff. Like, did we, did we, uh, did we overestimate Andrew Luck initially? Like, because he had one bad game against one of the best defenses in the league. Um, I think, I think he makes a pretty obviously tempting target in, in Millionaire Maker, whatever cash games this week, uh, going against Tennessee because this is Andrew Luck we're talking about. Do we not remember last year? Like, even if he's not particularly efficient, the volume is there. So, yeah, that could be good for Fleener, uh, especially if they start getting Johnson fewer snaps, fewer targets. But it's hard to tell. Moncrief is really in, in Hilton if he if he practices well this week are the only people I'd probably target really there. Trade Andre Johnson to the Cowboys for like a fifth round pick. I've I, do he's, something. He's not doing anything anywhere. Rashad Perriman took part in practice Friday, second straight day. He's been on the field. He tries to get back from a knee injury. Everything's okay now. Everything is great. I mean, uh, given the state of that receiving core, could he quickly make an impact? He could, yeah. I mean, he's got to get targeted. I mean, we, we've seen that Joe Flacco is not a elite quarterback per se, but he's got to be average, and that passing game has not been that. I mean, obviously they were pretty good against the Raiders, but that's not saying anything. They got totally clamped down on by Denver in week one. Not having any receivers really does have an effect. Like, you can't just – a lot of people think, like, oh, well, the quarterback makes the receivers, and there's something to it a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, Flacco just doesn't have a chance with those guys. Like, Steve Smith is not does not have enough left at 36 years old to carry a lead receiver role. Kamar Aiken is – probably should be your fifth receiver, not your second. Uh, so, yeah, Perriman – I mean, the main thing is the physical obstacles. Like, he's got to get in practice and get in game shape. But once he does – like, even if he doesn't know what he's doing at all, like he's just the combination of size and athleticism there and the inferiority of the players around him means he has to get targets eventually. Now, here's the thing. You have to think about contextually. Like Odell Beckham last year was freely available in leagues, and the depth chart, similar to what you described, had just a complete lack of quality players. And this is not to say Perriman becomes the next Beckham, but the opportunity and the skills line up in a way where it'd be hard for him not to contribute right away once he is ready to go. He may not play Sunday. It's still kind of up in the air, but that he's practicing on back-to-back days is a pretty good indication that he's very close to contributing, and it might just be a case where it takes him only a game or two to start getting six to eight targets on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely, and yeah, he's far below Odell as a prospect, but I think we can reasonably 
kind of guess that Joe Flacco is at least as good as Eli Manning or better. Uh, even though I'm not a Flacco fan, he's never really had good receivers to throw to. It's like the best was Torrey Smith or something, who, fine player, but, I mean, whatever. Uh, either way, like you are saying, just the volume potential there. And is even if he's horribly inefficient, you have to like Perriman's combination of size and athleticism correlating to decent you know, upside in certain scenarios, at least, if he gets a, a good matchup against a weak backfield or and you know baltimore's forced to play up tempo because the other team put some points on the board i think eventually that'll that'll pay off in you know tangible fantasy production julius thomas will not play in the week three matchup against the patriots maybe we see him back in week four against the colts but uh, still having a long recovery from his finger injury that he suffered i think on the first snap of the preseason for the jags if i'm not mistaken jason witten who may be moving uh, kind of like a zombie in in this game coming up on sunday was on the field for practice he's got an ankle injury uh, both of his ankles were sprained he sprained a knee and yet he's finding a way to function which is just is, amazing is it going to be like running on ice skates or something is that what he's going to look like it's going to be if you've ever ice skated and then had to like walk off the ice rink a long ways to like to go sit down and take your skates off it's going to be like that walk you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you're skating, everything is good, and then like the benches are like 50 feet away. Your and ankles are rolling feet, at any. It takes you. It takes you like 15 minutes to go 50 feet. There's. I went. I went ice skating at, at the Pettit Center in Milwaukee. It was like an Olympic training facility, but most of the time it's open just for open skating. And I swear they have stairs, like rubberized stairs, like a full set of stairs that you walk up in your ice skates to get up to the two rinks from like the area where you purchase the skates and can put them on. And like I'm like, is there anything harder in this world to do than well, to walk upstairs while wearing ice skates? I hope Witten is training there as we speak, so that he's ready for what's coming Sunday. But yeah, it's that that receiver rotation is so weak that he still might get ten targets, even if he's just you know this this barely alive guy. Yeah, I I, I just want to see them get something going in the running game too, and they really haven't been able to do that. But part of the problem now is that opposing teams don't have to respect the pass at all. With no Des Bryant, you can just load up in the box, and even if the run blocking is at a level close to where it was last year, you're probably dealing with lesser talent, not having DeMarco Murray there, and the running lanes simply aren't going to be as vast. Yeah, they suck. I, I think the I think the Falcons make a fine streaming option at defense as a result. Uh, even if it's in Dallas, it's like, Whedon we, we're talking Brandon Whedon. We're talking Jason Witten, who's like 33, and he's got two bad ankles or whatever. And Terrence Williams is an okay second receiver, but that's all he is. He's not a reliable target. Cole Beasley's terrible. He, he He's worth PPR consideration, whatever, but he's still terrible. And uh, Devin Street, I guess just doesn't is so bad he can't even get targets so really bad situation for Dallas and the Falcons do have some defensive talent like they got to shut down corner uh Dan Quinn theoretically should know how to make a pass rush eventually not necessarily against this defensive line but enough to scare a Brandon Whedon into making some bad throws anyway Falcons defense looked good in week one against the Eagles but now as we've seen the Eagles in another matchup, you start to think, well, maybe that was more about the Eagles and some issues up front than anything else. So maybe I'm with you though, as far as the Falcons at least being improved defensively compared to where they were 
a year ago. As I mentioned before, no Tevin Coleman, though, for the Falcons on the other side of that Dallas-Atlanta matchup. For the Packers, uh, head coach Mike McCarthy saying Friday morning that both Devontae Adams and Eddie Lacy are expected to take part in individual drills during Friday's practice with the Packers playing Monday night. It's really the Saturday practice that you have to check in on, but it sounds like both Lacy and Adams are trending towards being available in some capacity. My concern with Lacy in particular would be that he's going to play fewer snaps than usual. Yeah. You saw how effective James Starks was during that Sunday night game against the Seahawks. You're going to design, you're going to have more design plays for him anyway. You'll run him outside, probably put him out there a little bit in pass protection too, just to limit some of the wear and tear on Lacy, even if he goes. So if you're in a season long matchup situation where you're looking at your alternatives, you do have to consider what you have versus Lacey. And, and if you don't have Starks as the ready-made backup uh, in the event of Eddie Lacey being a surprise and active on Monday night, you probably have to take a lesser back this week and just accept that as a better option. Yeah, I don't know what reason Green Bay really has to put Lacey into harm's way very much. We, we know Starks is adequate for a couple games at a time. Uh, I just, I just, obviously Kansas City is, is a pretty decent team, but they are on the road. To me, this is a scenario where it's like you just let Rodgers take over, shut down the whole game by putting up you know three first half touchdowns, and then just let Starks eat up the clock because you know he can do that at least. Um, even Alonzo Harris, it's like just let those big guys just thump away until the clock is gone because what's Alex Smith going to do about it? You know, but yeah, he's not taking a lot of getting shots into a grinding field. game against the the Chiefs is just the worst idea. Like just let Rodgers go deep and obviously Adams being hurt makes that a little harder but I still feel like Rodgers is matchup proof to the point that that's something they should do are you buying low on Adams right now I mean he had team high eight targets against the Bears in a game where Rodgers didn't throw it much I think Rodgers threw it 23 times in week one in the game against Seattle of course missed some time with this injury if you think about what he could do as the number two receiver in that offense is this the window to go trade for him right now since he's also dealing with that injury yeah, definitely. It's it's not likely to get a lower tag, lower price tag than it is now. And obviously, he's not Jordy Nelson. But in an Aaron Rodgers offense where the other targets are, you know, I mean, Randall Cobb is awesome and he's going to be a constant as far as his target share. But James Jones hasn't been targeted that much since coming back. It's just Rodgers just hasn't missed him really. Uh, so there's there's room for the role there for Adams. Uh, once he comes back, and I don't see what choice the Packers have but to make him a you know lead producer in that passing game. Both Chris Ivory and Eric Decker game time decisions for the Jets as they match up with the Eagles. A quad injury for Ivory, knee injury for Decker. Ivory in particular is a guy that I really like this year, and I just I'm annoyed that health is yet again a problem for him. It'll always be that way. He's just he's not a durable guy, and his style of play is the worst fit for that trait because he's just so vicious with the ball. Um, he, he invites a lot of contact uh, just because he's so good at bowling over people. It makes sense to when he's on the field, but uh, it's always something, and it's a variety of injury types that he's dealt with. So even if he even if this current problem he gets over, there will be a new one eventually. Uh, Bilal Powell is obviously quite interesting. Uh, he's not a He's not a efficient runner. He's not explosive. He's not very big or strong, but he he's their trusted passing down guy. So in PPR, that's obviously a big deal. And even if even if he's not efficient, this is an offense that has the benefit of a lot of short fields thanks to its defense. So uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he keeps producing surprisingly well as he has, there should be more red zone trips for that team than most of us probably expected. 
So, um, yeah, I, I like Powell quite a bit, uh, certainly in, in DraftKings PPR scoring. 3,000 on DraftKings this week. So. I, I can't imagine him being less than, like, a fourth owned, but I'm so bad at guessing that kind of thing anyway. Maybe people just will forget about him because... <laughs> I hope so, because I'm going, like, everything. <laughs> Des Bryant, according to Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, uh, the pain is... is <laughs> this is this is such a strange comment and it's so weird that all of the jerry's getting weird these days in general have you heard some of the things he's been saying he's he's getting a little may he may have some like dementia i I think he's actually just turned to uh a lot of weird uh, experimental uh meditation methods to cope with the extreme rage that he must be feeling deep down well so jerry jones said thursday the pain in des bryant's surgically repaired foot is quote going away by the day that's i okay i bet he's ready to play then what else could that mean Jerry, jerry's so good about that stuff i love it he's 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 like a minimum of two months away and jerry's like no i, I think he's questionable this week yeah it's it's such a strange i mean can you can you blame the guy they got every single off season i mean this is one of the biggest narcissists football or sports in general i've ever seen every year he probably honestly believes deep down in his heart like of course we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And then broken collarbone, broken foot. You got to cope somehow. You can't just let go of that. It's going to it's going to be hard to catch up with reality. Faith healer uh, maybe in and out of the training facility. I'd Dallas. be turning to sorcery for sure if I were Jerry Jones, but I I mean I think he's already probably tried that to not very good results. It does seem like something he's dabbled in. DeMarco Murray dealing with a hamstring injury. He is expected to play Sunday. The question here is can the Eagles figure something out as a means to move the ball on the ground against the Jets? If they've scuffled this much through two weeks, can Chip Kelly make adjustments to this offensive line and find a way to open up the running game for Murray and and, and for Ryan Matthews. So uh, I want to talk quickly about the Eagles, but also like in, in a longer term kind of focus. There's a lot of new personnel on that offense, a new quarterback coming back from an ACL tear, a new running back, two new running backs, really uh, new starting receiver, Nelson Aguilar. Um, obviously Macklin's gone. This is a team that's dealing with a lot of transition right now, and that's not it's not rare for a team with that kind of background info to struggle early in a season. I don't think Bradford is nearly as bad as people are making him sound like. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't improve quite a bit. And I would also be shocked if DeMarco Murray in the running game in general didn't improve. However, looking at this team and its struggles so far, I don't understand why there's all this, oh, can Chip figure it out? What's even going on here? It's, it's pretty simple. That offensive line is a catastrophe right now, and nothing can work if it's playing that bad because the running game cannot get going. I mean, we saw Murray getting hit in the backfield. It's not like he's just constantly. Running. He's, yeah. getting, he's getting hit like three and four yeah. yards behind the and line it's of not, scrimmage. It's not there's like no he's... chance for him to even get up to speed and do anything. There's not even a, He's not even getting stopped in the hole he's not even getting there right and people like i'm seeing commentary on their on their offense and their people are like what an idiot what is he even doing it's like this is really simple nothing's gonna work if he's getting hit like that because the running game can't go teams aren't even really like scheming against the run specifically at this point it seems like the guard play and the, the blocking on the interior is just so bad at philadelphia that you don't need to try to stop the run and you can still get all these tackles for loss in which case you're going to prepare for you're going to put extra you know deep coverage safety help on all these play fake scenarios that used to get you to bite on defense because you were scared about what McCoy or a, a productive running game in any case would do it's not there so you don't need to bite forward on the fake you can just sit back and Bradford's got nowhere to go at that point I don't know what is going to go on with that because an offensive line that convincingly bad 
I, I, I don't know the way out, but it's, that is the way out. They need to fix the offensive line somehow. Uh, the thing is, going against the Jets is the last setting you would ever expect that to happen. Like Leonard Williams and, and Muhammad Wilkerson going against those guys. Oh my, that's it could be truly like it could be brutal for the Eagles. This might be their worst game of the season in a season that's already been quite difficult for them because those two, Leonard Williams and, and Wilkerson, they're they're just gonna they're just gonna throw guys back like five yards. The panic level is gonna be through the roof too in Philadelphia. Like and the it, thing it, is, I don't even know if it's if worth it. Like I I can I would chalk it up to I wouldn't even want those guys if they looked good the last two weeks because the Jets defense is just scary looking. But yeah, it's like no matter what happens in this game, like unless there's like an amazing you know like totally transcendent performance from that offense it's going to mostly look bad for them because if, if when you adjust for how good the Jets are there's just not much that Philadelphia can reasonably get done and it's going to be used as like you know further indictment against Chip Kelly when it's really like you know no one can succeed in this setting that well a few other injury notes to throw out there Marshawn Lynch is actually considered questionable with a calf injury the official injury report for the Seahawks hasn't come out yet I don't think it's going to be a problem for him in that matchup against the Bears Brandon Cooks has been slowed by an ankle injury, but he should be able to play Sunday against Carolina, so not much to worry about there. Mike Evans, at this point, didn't get a lot of targets. I think he's targeted three times, didn't catch a ball in Week 2. Considered probable with his hamstring injury, so we'll kind of look at him as an option, potentially, uh, once we get to the, the Millie Maker talk. Lamar Miller, questionable with an ankle injury. Talked to ESPN Stefania Bell on the XM show today. She seemed to be pretty confident that he'd be out there, at least in some capacity, but maybe sharing a few more carries with Damian Williams than a typical week. A lot of uncertainty right now with Drew Brees and his shoulder as far as whether or not he's going to be able to play, and if he does, what level he's going to play at. So probably a guy you stay away from in daily situations, but in season long too, you really got to evaluate your alternatives, whether that's a waiver wire pickup or or your backup in this case, because things could just completely fall apart for Drew Brees. Arian Foster coming back from his groin injury, still not 100%, and he was able to practice in a limited fashion, uh, probably not going to play against the Bucks on Sunday, at least heading in the right direction, though, maybe only a week or two away from being back in the mix for the Texans. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. It's kind of an ivory fear for me with Foster at this point. Like, no matter what the good news is, there's feels like there's got to be bad news not far behind. But obviously, he can be a game changer for any owners who got him at a, at a discounted price, you know, for, for what a prognosis that initially had him missing like two months or more. Yeah, that's that's true. Like it, it's it's gonna look like a pretty big bargain if he is back in uh, possibly as With soon. With that as said, I this is just my stupid opinion, and I don't have any reason to think anyone else at RotoWire agrees with me. If Foster does have like a really good game or two, I would sell as fast as possible, like like really aggressively. Well, that team, the quarterback play is so bad that opposing teams can just load up the box. I think they're gonna play a lot of low scoring games, like. As appealing as he as he could be, with the 4.8 yards per carry last year, the contributions as a pass catcher out of the backfield, durability grade there is an F. I mean, it just yeah. is, unfortunately. Same thing for Ivory. If he if he gets back on the field full health, has another ga- game that looks really good, like last week, I'd try to sell. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week 3, DraftKings will be hosting another Millionaire Maker event with $1.2 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Looking at that millionaire maker, building out our lineups, considering 
a variety of different options. We're starting this week again at the quarterback spot. Aaron Rodgers, $8,000 with that home matchup against the Chiefs on Monday night, averaging 22.7 fantasy points per game over his first two contests this season. Uh, you look at him, you look at Luck at 7,900 going on the road to Tennessee. I think a lot of people out there are expecting Luck to return to being the guy they were basically paid for on draft day. He's 7,900. Tom Brady at 7,700 is home against Jacksonville. Brady's been on fire here through these first two weeks. And I mentioned Breeze earlier. He's at 7,500. I just don't think you can go anywhere Man. near him. That's just that's not an option. Uh, Peyton Manning at 7,400. And then Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, and Russell Wilson all above 7,000 at 7,200, 7,100, and 7,000 respectively. Let's start with Rodgers. I mean, do you do you just pay the money and, and just build around him this week, or do you start thinking about the other options? I would like him a bit more if Lacey were out. That would that would probably tip it for me because if he's out, I don't think Starks is as good as Lacey. I don't think Starks will get as much of an offensive production share as Lacey normally would. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love Rodgers like pretty much any game at Lambeau and pretty much any game anywhere against anybody, but – I feel like I gotta go luck like eight times out of ten. Not just not just because he's a little cheaper, but just because I like the matchup better. I mean, Tennessee's you're you're looking on DraftKings now, you'll see the opponent points allowed rank for quarterbacks going against Tennessee is eighth. The two quarterbacks they've gone against are Johnny Manziel and Jameis Winston. And I I think luck is more like the the player from last year who we were considering taking in the first round of fantasy drafts after you know throwing for almost like 4,800 yards, running for 273, 40 touchdowns in the air last year. He's going against the the Titans coming off a bad week, so people are probably going to be unreasonably sour on him. Uh, I'm going with a lot of luck for that reason. Also because I'm not convinced Frank Gore is going to get anything going, so I can see it being a game where they actually need luck to put up huge numbers to win because I, I think Mariota on the other side looks good enough to put some points on the board. So, yeah, I like luck a lot, and uh, without going too far ahead, in lineups that I don't have luck, I think I'm going to be looking at a decent amount of Mariota too just because he's at home, and even in his you know supposed back-to-earth game last week, he still threw for 257 and two touchdowns on the road in, against Cleveland. Uh, losing two fumbles, fumbling three times is a problem, obviously, but this is still a rookie who has six passing touchdowns in two games, and everyone thought he was a running specialist. Yeah. Like, it, wait till the running stats show up, too. I, I like Mariota quite a bit, I think. It does seem like Mariota was underestimated by some, mostly because of Ken Wisenhunt in that offense, but he changes what they can do. Also, he's got to be, be Colin Kaepernick 2.0 because he's fast. He's awfully fast. Right. Right. You got to admit that he has, has he, to be. He's got to be a raw passer because he's fast. A couple other of those uh, top tier options. I mean, Brady home against the Jags. My only concern here is that if they get up big, they're not going to treat this like they did the Buffalo game. They might actually run it. You might see a lot of Legarrette Blunt, maybe some On the other hand, Brandon Bolden too. But maybe maybe Belichick's just in burn it down mode. Yeah, and just continue I, I to think launch these it. are. I think these are like genuinely uh, antagonistic people we're talking about they're not happy about that suspension no thing. I, yeah i i really think like this is in a way like their way of just seeing like you know what we're just gonna destroy everybody well, forever it's it, it is actually uh, a, a reasonable means of retaliation because it wasn't just goodell like goodell takes marching orders from the other owners the other owners were like yeah suspend that guy we hate that guy and now they're like not suspended like okay well we're going to have to give you an incentive to not take that stance against us ever again. So we're going to try to score six touchdowns on you every week. Maybe Brady should cost more. Like Maybe Brady should oh, yeah. be the most expensive quarterback think, on the board this week. Yeah, I mean, it, 
even even though we like Rodgers and Luck quite a bit, I would have to assume Brady's going to be the most owned quarterback. Like like at least I one. I think it of might be Luck. I I think I think we, you're going to have two factions. You're going to have the the more knowledgeable players who gravitate towards Luck, and you're going to have the more reactionary, inexperienced players who I think are burying Luck for the reasons that you mentioned earlier. A A E may like example mainstream media like which is stupid like don't don't listen to that crap that's just that's not that's not but tell your friends to so that we can get some lower ownership numbers on luck please yeah but no you're you're right i i i I shouldn't assume that just because the the mainstream media is so negative that the average nfl fan isn't going shut up espn like the average dfs player is so much smarter than oh of course anybody speaking to andrew luck's performance on national radio or national tv Right. Um, on the other hand, we do have. Can you? I can't argue against Brady as the top quarterback this week. I can't make the argument. I, I can only be like, well, my gut doesn't think that quite. So uh, he does have seven touchdowns and seven hundred and fifty-four yards. Um, yeah, the, the Jags won't put up points on them, but do they care? I don't know. I, I just think unless until you get to like the beginning of the fourth quarter, they're, they're going to throw excessively. Like they're just going to do it because. Jacksonville's not going to be able to stop Gronk. They're not going to have an answer for Edelman. Right. They're, they're just going to move the ball down the field with relative ease. And then, you know, if it's 35-7 to 7 going into the fourth quarter, at that point, when it would be negligent to leave Brady out there because they're up four TDs, in something like that, I could see them backing off finally then. But if, if You remember 18-0. Yeah, if, if, if the Jags can even just keep it within, like, 14 into the fourth quarter, Brady's going to keep throwing through the fourth quarter, too. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure that it even ma- like 18 and 0. Belichick loves to run it up, and he's mad. He's anyway, <laughs> ang- angry Belichick is yeah. is one of the most fun Belichicks. Uh, as far as the other top tier options go, staying away from Breeze. Do you stay away from Ben Roethlisberger, even though he's been great for these first two weeks? Going on the road to St. Louis. I mean, we talk a lot about teams that play a lot better at home, and, and the Ravens, I think, are are one of them. The Saints for a long time were, but the Saints have become kind of a disaster over the last calendar year. What do you think about Roethlisberger going up against that St. Louis defense on the road this week? I don't really know. I'm inclined to think that the St. Louis secondary is not very good, but the pass rush is always frightening. And then again, on the other hand, Roethlisberger is maybe as good as anybody against a good pass rush because he's just he, he he doesn't really run when he when he escapes pressure. He just resets as a passer and you know burns people so well when they when they I mean he takes a beating too so that's the problem but he's he's tough and he can deal punishment too being like 250 or whatever he is um I probably won't get Roethlisberger on any of my teams he's generally a tournament consideration for me if only because in a cash setting I'd rather pay the extra 500 for Brady um I'd probably rather go down 200 for Russell Wilson uh also god's favorite quarterback too you god's get that, favorite you get quarterback is at pocket. home and he's going against god's least favorite team the bears um <laughs> it's only because jay cutler is on the team don't get me wrong the bears can can ascend yet um but uh anyway yeah the, the bears defense is obviously kind of a mess but i think like john fox and vic fangio have enough of a background as run stoppers that maybe seattle will get to the second quarter after lynch gets like 16 yards and eight carries and they'll be like all right just start throwing it and Wilson can exploit that defense obviously and he can juke Jared Allen out of his shoes I think if if Allen happens to bend the corner on the pass rush over under two and a half cartons of cigarettes smoked by Jay Cutler over the last calendar week oh I was gonna I was gonna that's 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 harder um 
I forget what is it even in 20, a carton. I think it's 10 packs in a carton, if I'm not mistaken. So you're talking 25 packs of cigs in the last week. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have known what a carton was when I was 16, but I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway. Do people even buy cartons of cigarettes anymore? <laughs> I don't know. I've, they're, I've, they're, I've, like, they're like $1,000 in this state. I've seen it happen, but I was in Wausau, Wisconsin at the time, and again, I was like, 16. I just remember when, when I worked at, at Sam's Club in high school and college, like the cigs were all locked up and people would come in and they'd, they'd buy like multiple cartons. And I'm like, you've got a habit there. That's a. I don't, think, I don't think Jay does it. I think he's got a guy that he sends to do it for he's him. He's got a Sigman. Can you imagine the millions it would be worth to get a photo of Jay saying, or a video saying, yeah, yeah I'll have that carton of Yeah, I need, I, need, I need Marlboro Reds. I need a lot of Marlboro Reds. <laughs> give me them cowboy killers and give me six cartons of them. <laughs> I love Jay. Even if even if if the Bears are in fact God's least favorite team, and it's because of Jay Cutler, I love Jay. Like I, he is one of my favorite players in the league. I also unironically love Jay Cutler. And actually, to be serious, the of course Washington is worse and Dallas is worse. That obviously, yes. But it, it it is fun to think that Jay, uh, the 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 improbable like disgraceful scenarios he can keeps ending up in i would like to think that's divine intervention saying like sorry this is good content i need this to happen jay you'll understand later when you have infinite wisdom and stuff i am going to go uh to if i go to a halloween party this year if if i'm in a situation where like that's the custom if i have to dress up i will go as jay color and i'm just gonna i'm gonna not shave don't inhale dude i'm not gonna shave for three or four days i'm just gonna have a constant sig going and I'm I'm gonna try to not sleep for three days as well, so I get those really dark circles under Your my fingers eyes. Fingers are gonna smell so bad. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be gross, but it's gonna be, it's probably gonna win like fifty dollars. It'll and, prove grit. Yeah, that's exactly right. I do like Russell Wilson though at seven thousand. That matchup against the Bears, uh, it's just a nice nice tournament play as always. Any mobile quarterback tends to make a really nice tournament style play, especially when you get that mid tier pricing. Cam Newton home against the Saints, sixty eight hundred, similar boat or offensive line receiver play so bad that you really just don't want to go down that road. I think he'll see short fields, which means I th- I think he has a, the upside for a rushing touchdown or two. It's just I don't know. I I can't trust the Panthers. I don't think they're a very smart organization, and I don't I don't trust them to utilize Cam the way that I I think the the data would otherwise lead you to. Take a look here at a few other options. You've got Ryan Tannehill, sixty seven hundred against Buffalo. I'm not really interested nah. in going against against the Buffalo defense with anybody. I think they can be pretty dangerous. If you drop if you drop below like the Russell Wilson or even I don't know Philip Rivers, I guess could do something against the Vikings. But if you drop below that, I would just go straight to uh, to to Mariota at sixty one hundred. But generally, that would that would be a tournament type consideration. I would probably try to. Stay in the Brady Luck Rogers region for cash considerations. How about Tyrod or Nick Foles though as tournament plays? Tyrod fifty eight hundred, Foles fifty two hundred against Pittsburgh in a game where if the Steelers can put up points against that Rams defense, Foles may get thirty five to forty attempts. Yeah, I don't know. I I still feel like we can't know what Tyrod Taylor really is. I think we'll have a better idea once defenses have time to look at his film and adjust for the things that he poses. Um they can't really know that right now, though, because he doesn't have enough of a of, of a resume in the NFL. But uh, fools, I'm just kind of categorically not interested in. I don't don't like his team really. I don't trust them to to use reasonable play calling at any point. I guess I mean if I'm go- if I for some reason have if I end up someday with more money than I have now, I might have tried to put in a lineup with Fitzpatrick. It's only fifty one hundred. 
at home against the Eagles and the Eagles corners are just garbage. Um, of course. So, uh, he's got slight dual threat upside. He hasn't tapped into yet. If ivory's out, he might get more shares of that rushing potential than normal. Um, some, something to think about, I guess. But yeah, out of those guys, I would prefer Fitzpatrick, I think. And he looks like the cheapest of them, too. 5,100 for Fitzpatrick. How about 5,100 for Blake Bortles, though, too? New England's defense looks like an Achilles heel. If they're in you know, burn-it-down mode and, and trying to just, just run up the score, Bortles should get heavy volume. It's just a matter of, you know, do you want 5.5 YPA on 50 attempts with a couple TDs? Yeah, I don't really like Bortles this week. I don't like most people going on the road against new england but that new england pass rush is quite frightening really i i can see this being a game where it's just so many three and outs so many turnovers that he doesn't get the volume yeah i guess that's one thing people maybe are overlooking the secondary is weak but the pass rush could be good enough to get consistent pressure let's move over to the running back spot running back uh, has been a challenge at times i i think on on DraftKings though especially with some of the the full point ppr values you can find usually come away with at least three that you like week in and week out and think we're gonna have a few more than that even here in week three adrian peterson and Le'Veon bell both 7500 vikings hosting the chargers steelers on the road against st louis what do you think about bell in his uh, his first game of this season i don't see any reason to not pick bell uh even in the millionaire make i mean he's gonna be hugely owned obviously but I think there's a unique value in him this week because the running back pricing is deflated. You look, Peterson and Bell are the top two at 7,500. There are one, two, three, four, five, six receivers that cost more. Um, one of them is Emmanuel Sanders. One another is Des Bryant, so he's not in really. But um, either way, like running backs are generally considered more productive than receivers or at least less volatile than receivers. Le'Veon Bell is like a receiver and a running back at the same time. He's going to be playing on turf. I I can I I can't leave Bell out of like a single lineup of mine. I know that that's not that's not smart millionaire maker strategy according to people who know a lot more than me about things like that. But I can't pass up that value. I just I just don't see the fade upside there. What do you think about Jamal Charles going up against the Packers? I mean, is that game going to be close enough where totally the Chiefs are going to try to grind it out? And, and with that, Charles gets heavy volume? Well, Charles is, gets volume even if they're not grinding it out because he's like their best receiver, too. So, um, Or at least the one Alex Smith is not afraid to throw to the most. Uh, he has nine catches in two games this year in addition to the 37 carries. So totally like Jamal Charles. He's a he's a he's also a great value at 7400. I almost might I might go wild here and see if I can fit in a lineup where I have all of uh Bell, Charles and Peterson in the same thing just to see if I can do it just cuz that that kind of pricing I think is pretty exploitable between all three of those guys. Yeah, Peterson against San Diego should be able to run pretty well. Amir Abdullah ran pretty well against them Teo uh, can't in handle that. week one. Let's take a look at some other of these other options here. Matt Forte, a little banged up and matched up against Seattle. Not a lot of interest there at 7,300. Lacey at 7,200. Too much uncertainty for me. Probably won't have any shares of him this week. No discount yet on Jeremy Hill. Things have changed a bit in that Bengals backfield. A little more yeah, I'm not Bernard. Like, this, whole, this whole stretch here, like Hill through four set even i don't even like four set against the bengals mark ingram i'm afraid of against the panthers defense especially if they're going with garrett grayson at quarterback uh latavius murray against cleveland's pretty interesting though cleveland got ripped up by ivory in week one murray finally got some carries last week 15 against the ravens 65 yards a touchdown he's got 10 pass receptions in two games 
I, I like Latavius, I think. Yeah, I think once you get down below 6,000, you start to find some other appealing options if you don't want to pay up for those top-tier backs. Murray at 5,800. Uh, we still have Carlos Hyde at a discounted price, 5,400 going on the road against Arizona. Question about that game, though. Do you expect the Cardinals to simply just blow this one out to the point where Hyde's volume may take another hit? Because I think part of the reason he didn't get as many carries and catches last year as he could otherwise is that he left that game with two different injuries. Yeah, I have no idea what to think about the 49ers in general. I definitely don't think Hyde is as good as his week one looked like, but obviously last week was too far of the other end of the spectrum to be you know, an accurate projection of what we should expect. I don't know what Arizona is in terms of their defense. I mean, they've done well to this point, but they they lost uh, Todd Bowles, obviously. They seem to be doing fine, though, so I generally don't like the matchup for San Francisco I I probably won't have really like any of Hyde, which might be short sighted on my part. But I I rather would just like drop to uh you know Bilal Powell at three thousand, uh, especially if Ivory's out. But even if he isn't out, I think I like Powell still. Um, PPR scoring, man, that's so good. And um, yeah, Melvin Gordon at five thousand. I mean, he he's obviously losing a lot to Woodhead, who's definitely in play for me on DraftKings. But he still has 30 carries in two weeks, including 16 for 88 last year. I think the two of us have seen Melvin Gordon enough to think that one of these times it's not going to be uh, 88 yards on 16 carries, but instead 150 or so. Could happen this week. Uh, Minnesota has not done well defending the run to this point, but I, I like Minnesota's personnel on defense, so I don't know whether I'm, I'm guessing they'll improve or not. But Melvin Gordon at 5,000 is very affordable. Minnesota really I think in their first two games though against the run two totally different stories right I mean they got exposed by Carlos Hyde and then it seemed like they made a lot of adjustments they looked really strong up front against the Lions against the run and the pass I mean Matthew Stafford took a beating yeah that that pass rush is really good I mean they got uh, Anthony Barr is one of their starting linebackers and he can be like a 12 sack threat to most on most defenses but obviously like Everson Griffin and Robison on the outside edges there's there's a lot of talent in that front seven in Minnesota. They they get a little weaker at linebacker where they haven't at, they haven't uh, implemented second round linebacker Eric Kendricks yet. They got the aging Chad Greenway who doesn't have much left and uh, Gerald Hodges who has done okay, but you know he might just be a stopgap until they like Kendricks and practice more. I, I don't know whether I just hate the Detroit offense a lot or or I'm expecting uh, the Vikings to play well or if I just thought the Hyde thing was an aberration, but. Either way, I, I, I like chances of a, a Melvin Gordon breakout eventually. He's definitely just a, a tournament consideration for me because at 4,900, Jonathan Stewart right below him going against a Saints defense that doesn't look that great and a Saints defense that might deal with a lot of three and outs from its offense if Breeze is out and even if he's in, uh, the, the Carolina defense can probably rough them up a bit at home. So I, if you're going cash game, I think Stewart makes more sense than Gordon. But I, I do feel like in the next three weeks or so, we're going to see that Gordon that everybody was expecting when uh, the, the Chargers traded up for him. So Bernard, Gio Bernard at 4,700, totally kind of nearby too, probably going to be heavily owned this week. And, you know, Bernard versus Jeremy Hill. The split that, that Liss and I discussed was more of like 50-50 in terms of value because I think Jeremy Hill, even though he coughed it up twice last week, still could become the guy at the goal line again and still could see 
a good share of the carries, even if Bernard gets a higher volume of touches. Like it, it could just be distributed in a way where the value comes out to be pretty close to even. Yeah, I think Hill is the better runner pretty clearly, but um, I mean on DraftKings at least the PPR scoring makes it even between the two. I think I think I think it can be a thing where like Hill has. 65 70 percent of the snaps and they still come out the same in ppr scoring looking at a few other options we're in the sub five thousand dollar price range right now frank gore 4500 against tennessee any reason to think that that's i'm worth intrigued i'm intrigued just because of the price and the matchup but then i'm like man danny woodhead's 4400 though yeah danny woodhead fanboy uh i'm i'm the hour f- continues ugh, i can't this isn't the best club I've ever been a part of. And this is, I, what, what is the best club you've been a part of? The Danny Woodhead fan club. This is the best one. Okay. Yeah, the David Bowie fan club was previously number one, but it, it's you know Bowie can't defeat everybody. Bowie can't take down Danny Woodhead. Devonta Freeman also uh, in this range, forty six hundred. See, he's bad. I think, and that matchup is not good. I think the Dallas defense is very for real, but he could catch like eight passes um it's like roddy white apparently is mia what happened to him i don't know i think he got old or something but leonard hankerson i mean we both liked him a little bit i don't think either of us considers him a reliable player julio is the only constant so i I mean ppr freeman could get some garbage stats and if if the dallas offense is terrible with three and outs or turnovers short field could mean a garbage touchdown or two for freeman even if he averages only like two and a half yards a carry Totally reasonable play this week, I think. I I just I tend to gravitate more toward Powell and Woodhead, I think. TJ Yeldon, forty four hundred, then you got Dion Lewis at forty two hundred on the other side, matching up against the Jags. Twenty point four fantasy points per game in the first two. He's lost He's a couple been of really fumbles good. and they keep using him. Like it at some point they're gonna hit a matchup where it's just blunt and bolden for no real reason. But Lewis has different skills and in the full point PPR setting. The, the lack of a, a really steady like number three option behind Gronk and Edelman, I think, does continue to protect Lewis's value in the short term. Until that price comes up at least a thousand bucks, I think he's a strong consideration almost on a weekly basis. Yeah, I agree. It is. I, I have trouble making an argument as to why Woodhead and Powell should be considered better than Lewis. But the only the only real reason I can give you is just that. I really don't trust Belichick. I think he's. I think it's a combination of like he's just kind of volatile by nature with these things, but also because he, I think he does enjoy screwing with people like us. Um, I think when Legarrette Blount got three carries or whatever when he came back from suspension, Belichick was just like, "That makes me feel good." Um, I just ruined a bunch of people. <laughs> I think that actually is something that has a tangible benefit to his uh, feeling of fulfillment in the world. Enjoys the demoralization of others. How about David Johnson, $4,000 matchup against the Niners at home? I, my only concern here is that Bruce Arians doesn't seem to like him as much as the rest of us do. Bruce Arians just hates whippersnappers, and especially fast whippersnappers like David Johnson. I, I don't know what to think. He's going to be... He's going to be a reasonably trendy play in tournament settings, and for reasons that I can understand, he's better than Chris Johnson. He's probably better than Andre Ellington. I don't know what to expect as far as the matchup. It it might not be the most fast-paced matchup, really, uh, especially if the Arizona defense clamps down on San Francisco. Um, yeah, I, I think they need a big lead for Johnson to safely provide a return because uh, we're talking – yeah, he's got – He's got uh, 15 fantasy points per game on DraftKings in two in two games, but that's almost all on. I mean, it's it's on five carries and two catches. 
Like, are we going to expect him to average 45 yards per catch and eight yards per carry the whole time that he's on the field this year? It, I don't think we can. It's, on, it's Anton Smith usage. Like, that's, oh, that's yeah. what the usage is, even though it's a different player. It's a guy that should get more he should He should get more, like, 12 carries than five, but we got to expect that to drop to, like, four and a half, four yards a carry. Are we going to expect a touchdown to be among those carries? I don't know. And the receiving, he should catch three or four passes, but again, like one of those was a three yarder the other was the 58 yarder i think we can expect the next two to be like six and seven rather than another 50 yarder so i'm probably not going to have any david johnson but i i really can't fault anyone who does in a tournament setting one last back i want to throw out there for consideration duke johnson as a deep tournament play 3400 home against oakland maybe isaiah crowell continues to get the larger share of the carries and, and crowell is a decent amount more expensive, I think, this week. I think he's, was he, like a 1,000 more at least? Yeah, he's about 1,100 more so. at 4,500. Either one of those backs of interest to you with that matchup against the Raiders? It would have to be deep tournament for either. I, I love Duke Johnson as a prospect, but he hasn't really gotten any traction in that offense yet. I'm not convinced McCown coming back is going to have a positive effect on that running game or anything except uh, the Raiders' defense, I guess. Um but yeah, I I probably can't go Duke when Bilal Powell's three thousand is all. Looking here, it's the receivers. Uh, Julio Jones topping the list nine thousand. Doesn't seem like his uh, hamstring injury is going to be a problem whatsoever. Antonio Brown's at eighty nine hundred. Demarius big drop down to eight thousand. Kelvin Johnson's at seventy nine hundred. I don't like Kelvin Johnson at all because I think I'm trending towards the point where I just don't like the Lions' offense. They don't force him unless the they absolutely offense. have to. I think that that Denver defense is going to give them all sorts of problems too. Yeah, I mean we we know what happens when a a, a moving object collides with a Wade Phillips. Um, the, the the moving object ceases to exist, and Wade stands triumphant on a on its remains. I, I think yeah, I think Denver stomps. Matt Stafford is banged up. He's going to play or whatever, but. He's not that good in the first place, and he's got, what, bad ribs or something probably? I think they're just calling it upper body. His non-throwing elbow was bleeding all over the place uh, early in the gross. game. So he, was just, he was getting hit. Like, I mean, he's a tough guy, but he's just he, he still has not the, developed the appropriate uh, sense of fear when, he, when he's getting you know, clamped on a pass rush. He still does this stuff where he thinks he's like in a Heisman juke, guys. Like, dude, you run like a 5-3. Stop that. Just throw the ball away. Um <laughs> But yeah, he, he thinks he's in high school and he thinks he's still fast uh, compared to the other players. I, I hate that. I hate that offense so much. Amir Abdullah is a very good player. Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate, very good players. But um, only one I would consider in this slate as like a downright morbid tournament consideration would be Eric Ebron, just because I can imagine him getting a garbage time touchdown or something when, when those Denver corners are shutting down Tate and Calvin Johnson. But um, yeah, I'm avoiding that. Is Antonio Brown or Julio Jones at least one of them a must-own when you're building a lineup right now, just given how productive they've been? It's it's pretty easy to argue that you should make room for one of the two, especially Julio, I think, this week with Coleman out. I don't think Freeman can match Coleman's projected output, so somebody has to get that. Maybe it'll just be Hankerson. Maybe it'll be some other backup on a Darren Ward or something like that uh, but Julio is a constant and I think the Dallas defense is good enough that they'll actually need him to to get a safe lead so I th- I love Julio this week Antonio Brown I don't think there's a need to overthink Lavian Bell's arrival like yeah it'll take away some of his workload but I think it'll more so just be a phasing out of Marcus Wheaton and we'll see this Pittsburgh offense turn into just a 
the three-headed uh, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Heath Miller offense. So I'm not afraid of Antonio Brown this week. I like him quite a bit, actually, on that turf. So, yeah, b- both of those guys are awesome. They're just, they're just like immune to criticism as picks, I think. Look at the pricing, though, on some of the next-tier guys. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, assuming everything is fine come Sunday, 7,400 against the Bucks. Randall Cobb, 7,300 against Edelman's the Chiefs. Edelman's still 7,000. Yeah, look, like, why is he 7,000? Like, that... That's crazy, and yet because the like other options, forced. the other options up here are so good, and, and even AJ Green at seventy two hundred remains low priced, and I think that's something that you can take advantage of. I mean, Julian Edelman's like the forgotten guy; like he is ideal in a full point PPR setting. Yeah, it's it's really hard to pass on Edelman at that point, and the only reason I think you would is if you're in a tournament setting. Um, if it's a cash game, it's like I mean, you're not going to take Edelman over. Mike Evans at 6,600, but in a tournament you might because a lot of more people are going to be on Edelman probably. Um, but yeah, it's it's like in that similar range. There's no one who can compete with that at 7,000 or below. Um, so yeah, it, it's really hard to miss on him. Although I, I will say uh, the Eric Decker injury, if he's out for New York, uh, Brandon Marshall's price of 6,200 becomes like a must-play kind of thing for me. Like I even tournaments, I'm going to have him everywhere because. Again, it's when the price is that low, the fade becomes much less valuable, and he's going against a secondary that's uniquely vulnerable to receivers, outside receivers specifically. Uh, Byron Maxwell's allowing like a perfect quarterback rating so far this year, and he's supposed to be their best defender at corner. So uh, between the upped target volume and the, the just perfection of the matchup, like uh, Bilal Powell, I'm not expecting a big game out of. I just like his price. I like the, the PPR upside. I think that Philadelphia run defense can probably shut down Powell as a runner. So I can see the Jets actually needing Marshall uh, to get a lead in that game. So love Marshall at 6,200. Like I, I think his price should probably have been, uh, it, it, I don't know if the algorithms had time to put in the Decker factor, but um, more around like 8,200 I think is what he should have been. Yeah, he's a steal this week. Uh, Brandon Marshall, even if Decker goes, in my opinion, I yeah, love I that love price. Marshall. Larry Fitzgerald having a, a resurgence this year, thanks in part to a couple matchups, thanks in part to Carson Palmer being back too. Fifty eight hundred for Fitz seems like a nice price Dude, going up against a, the Niners. Yeah, he's been a straight beast with Palmer on the field, uh, not just this year, but also like past seasons. So I love Fitzgerald. He looks like he's not as old as he is. <laughs> like he he looks very good right now. I, I don't think any particular defense can stop him if Palmer's in the game, and and, and assuming the pass rush for the defense isn't getting Palmer uh off his feet but yeah Fitz Fitz is just so great and the thing about him is like he's he's in a unique position to withstand time as a receiver because he never was a blazing speed guy he's always just been like you know amazing worker uh he's big he's got like some of the best hall of fame hands we'll ever see and he, he's just so good at actually just playing receiver like he, he just he's just flawless as a technician so i don't see any reason to expect a drop off with him how about dante moncrief going down 4800 going, going up against the going Titans. with a lot of moncrief because i think we agree andre johnson this isn't like oh we're waiting for andre johnson to come back like no he's toast uh if hilton is at all gil all gimpy in this game i don't see how moncrief disappoints i mean allen being out helps a little bit too uh I, yeah, I think I think Moncrief is a great play at that price. I'm going to have a lot of them. Let's shift the focus over to tight end. Gronk versus the universe. Who do you take? Gronk 7,400. I'll have trouble making room for him, I think. Uh, but 
he's he's an infallible pick. There's there's no way you can criticize Gronk any unless he's like eight thousand or more. It's it's almost always worth it. He scores like every seven targets he gets. Yeah, twenty nine point nine fantasy points per game in the it's first two. Stupid. Travis Kelsey though at five thousand is is pretty tempting. I, I know the Packers did a good job on Jimmy Graham, but the truth is Daryl Bevel did Bevel a good job. Bevel did a good job. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, and also I think uh, not not to slight Gronk because he is you know the tight end god. But Kelsey is the closest thing to him in terms of skill set, build, athleticism. Kelsey is the closest thing. He doesn't have the same prominence in his offense, but um, and th- those Green Bay safeties are awesome. Let's be clear, like Clinton Dix is looking so good. Um, I don't think that Kelsey is a guy who can really be slowed by matchup, though. So if if Lacey being out makes Rodgers take to the air more, and if Rodgers takes to the air, that usually means more points for Green Bay, uh, and and then. Kansas City needs to start throwing the ball more. I can very, very easily see Kelsey having a big game. I'm actually intrigued by Graham yeah, quite a bit. Graham, I mean, the, outwardly expressing his frustration as he should because he should be getting ten targets a game, no questions asked. Fifty-eight yeah. hundred against the Bears off or Bears defense that Bears defense is bad anything. at every level when it comes to defending the pass. Their linebackers are misfit. They got two like defensive end types at inside line, like Shea McClellan. Like yeah, put him on Graham uh, or their safeties. They're just they're just bad. They have one okay corner and he's been struggling. So I if someone didn't go to Bavell after that last game and say hey, ten targets for Graham or you're done, son. Like if that didn't happen, I I I just can't do this anymore. I don't know. It's it's so stupid the way they're running that offense and it's nothing new. That's that they ran the offense the same way they did in past years when they didn't use Zach Miller either when they paid seven and a half million a year to sign him from oakland it's like people should have gone to bavel before this and been like hey man you got to stop doing that crap with the tight ends where you don't throw it um so i think that had to happen like pete carroll even if he was slow to catch on you would think carroll looked at that film and was just like yeah this isn't good enough and if it's not good enough 5800 for graham it's been a while but when he has the role and he has the decent enough quarterback play he can he can approach Gronk levels. He can't get there, but he can approach it. This is a guy who people were taking like sixth overall two years ago, remember? So it's like this matchup and and particularly kind of like the politics of the Seattle organization right now make him look like a very reliable play to me that also has a high ceiling. Cheap options to consider. You mentioned Ebron at 3,300. Vernon Davis, 3,200. Heath is still in play for me. Marcus Wheaton's terrible. Yeah, 3,500 on Heath Miller is a nice price. And uh, I'm looking at um, Crockett Gilmore, 3,300. Mm. What do you think of Crockett Gilmore? I put a lot of him in my Millionaire Maker lineups for week one. Zero for last week. Oops. Pitching. Um. <laughs> anyway, he's he seems like he's pretty decent, and again, they don't have anybody to throw to, so why not fire him up a little bit? But uh, yeah, he's. I can't really convince myself that I that I'd take him over Ebron just because I think Ebron, being as fast as he is, can at least have like a long garbage time touchdown, uh, especially with again Denver putting those awesome corners on those receivers, locking up the outside. But yeah, I, I I totally can see why Gilmore would con- be considered at least as good of a play. Um, I, I probably am going to try to get mostly like Kelsey Graham Gronk action though. 
Looking at the defenses and special teams here, Seahawks the top at 3,400, home against Jimmy Clausen and a Bears team Jimmy without Alshon Jeffrey, possibly without Eddie Royal. No, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey. What a disaster. I mean, like, <laughs> this w- could this could be like mercy rule halftime. It's it, boys. Like, it's like the, the most brutal, like, demoralizing, like, 14 to nothing halftime we'll ever see if you weren't paying up for the seahawks defense at 3400 which bad quarterback which bad offense are you most likely to pick on i do like the falcons um let's what is their number again the falcons are 2900 they're at dallas but like dallas has been worse at home the last two years and on the road that's probably just because of romo but with romo not there most of the bets are off but you can at least presume that uh Brandon Whedon won't be very good. If, if Drew Brees doesn't play, did the Panthers jump to like the top three in terms of your defenses for this week? What is their price? They're 3100 Oh, actually, I'd rather go – you know, I'm stupid. I forgot this. I'd rather just go with the Jets at uh, 3000 Um I still have faith in the Philadelphia offense bouncing back eventually, but not this week. That offensive line is the source of their problems. This defensive line of the Jets can – probably stomp any offensive line uh leonard williams muhammad wilkerson i i can see them just feasting on demarco murray and i'm i'm not sure that philadelphia is in the right kind of composure right now to just be like totally cool under that pressure i think they're close to panicking as a team not a good setting to do that because bowls is awesome uh you're talking revis and crow marty like what exactly can the eagles do to even get traction those two can shut down jordan matthews without any help uh, the running game is not going to get anywhere with the line playing like it is and with the Jets being able to focus on it. So I'm probably going to go mostly the Jets on defense. But, yeah, if Breeze is out, Panthers are a great play uh, in a vacuum. And the price isn't a big difference, so it's definitely worth diversifying a bit if you're doing multiple lineups. Yeah, I do like that there are, are several quality options to consider just given the backup quarterbacks that we're seeing in prominent roles. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. You can also check out the site for free for the next 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Good luck in week three. We'll be back with you on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.